Hello, I'm Jensen Button and I'm delighted to be staying at McLaren for next season. Is that okay, Ron? No, do it again and try and sound like you mean it. It's just, it's quite hard to concentrate. The end of the gun is very cold. Hello and welcome to On Speed. I'm Gareth. He's Zog. Hello. He's Richard. Hello. And you lot are marvellous because I posted a thing on Facebook recently that said, what would you like us to talk about on Gareth Jones on Speed? And a whole bunch of you came up with some ridiculous ideas, many of which we actually dealt with in the last programme. I'm talking about your ideas, Stu Vickers, Nigel Pond, Rob Pope, Matthew John Innes, Paul Russell and Gary Catterall. All very good suggestions already dealt with however in this show this is your starter for 10 this question from matt guest via the gareth jones on speed facebook site richard okay Mm -hmm. if you could have any car from the recent goodwood revival for free that's the qualifier which one richard well, I didn't go to the Goodwood Revival, and I just got back from holiday, and I wasn't paying super amounts of attention to it, but I think you can take a guess at what was there, even if you don't know specifically Loads what it was. Loads of fantastic stuff. So, I'm just going to say a Jaguar XKSS. Do you know the one I mean? Funnily enough, yeah. It's one detail, of my very favourite yeah, cars, yeah. but those sort of the road-going detail, which yeah. was cruelly cut short. I can't remember how many they made. Very few, a dozen or so, maybe a bit more. Because it was a fire at the factory, it wiped out all the rest of them that were in production. So they're very rare, and I just think they're very, very lovely, and have this kind of swollen, steroidal sort of body shell. What year is it? 50, sort of 57, right. 58, something like that. Late 50s. Mm. Ian Callum would like it, wouldn't he? I would put money on Ian Callum liking it. It's kind of his job to like it, because it's <laughs> part, of the, part of the portfolio. But I think he would probably genuinely yeah. like it. I saw Ian Callum the other week. How is he? He's very we like him. He's yeah, great. he's a good bloke, isn't he? He's been yeah. on the show. He told me that he's never owned any car that he's designed. Oh. And this slightly bothered him, and he thought that yeah. he ought to. And I said, really? You've never owned anything you've designed? Because bear in mind that it's very rarely acknowledged that he designed the Ford Puma, amongst other things. So it's not like he did all sort of, you I know, didn't super know that. expensive stuff. I no, knew it was very, Ford, very man. Underrated. Two things yeah. about that. He did the Ford Puma. Doesn't generally get the credit for it, because Ford tend not to credit individual designers. And also, when it came out, he was furious, because engineering had forgotten to mention to him that during the development process, they jacked the back end up, uh-huh. because yeah. it gave them... I mean, it's on a torsion beam, so they gave them the, the necessary wheel travel and, and the, what they wanted to achieve, the ride and handling that they wanted from that car, necessitated cranking up the back suspension a bit like that. And he was really cross because it ruined the stance. Yeah, yeah. It, it, the way he wanted it and the way some Puma enthusiasts then they started dropping them back down again because it looked better. And he said, oh, I'll design it in a completely different way if I'd known they were going to do that. It's terrible yeah. with his bum sticking in the air. Anyway, oh. so there we go. Top Ian Callum facts. Never owned a car that he's actually designed. Yeah. You think he's going to get one as a company car? Well, exa- well, I suppose, yeah, he's driven. I'm sure he drives around in a, well he must do in a Jag and he's but he doesn't own overseen oh, yeah, the design yeah, of all those Jags yeah, yeah. but yeah he's never actually owned one with his own money and I was encouraging him to go and buy a Vanquish but he pulled a ooh that's a bit expensive face which is fair enough because Vanquishes <laughs> seem to be creeping up in value he did say oh I once thought about buying a Volvo C70 another car that he doesn't get the credit for designing but did and then we both pulled a face 
And that was pretty much the end of our conversation. Do you know who we're talking to as well during this conversation? Was the top underpants model, David Gandhi, who is a supercar. He's such a famous underpants model that even I know that he's an underpants model. Yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about. He's an underpants model. Yeah. No no relation to Mahatma. If you've seen any underpants adverts with a slightly stubbly bloke, that's probably him. This is the second time I've met him. Can you see stubble in underpants? I hadn't thought of it like that. Well, it depends. They put a see through Can we go back to the list yeah, of questions? Okay, please, Richard, your uh, sorry, Zog, your choice. If you could have any car from the Goodwood Revival, Not like you, I wasn't at the Revival this year, but I did see pictures. And funnily enough, a Jaguar D-Type, mm. the race version oh. of the XKSS, was the one that came to yeah. mind. But, but now that you've chosen the XKSS, I might have to go for my second choice, which would be the Bugatti Type Fifty Nine. Uh. Beautiful late incarnation of the line of Bugatti Grand Prix cars of the mid thirties, and just so classically beautiful magnificent engineering and with a very idiosyncratic bent just gorgeous can i bet one english pound or one british pound one welsh pound if you like uh-huh. on what gareth's gonna pick you're gonna have to write this down or something can we blind yeah. this I don't we, have um, a pen and paper but come on this is the modern uh, world fantastic. i'm just gonna put okay, this phone. into yeah. the notes thing on my phone mm. and i'm gonna hold it up to zog i won't look i've got to turn away now you can't see this but richard okay. is entering swinging right. his phone this, I'm is, looking a, this away. is a revival cause yeah. what do you reckon I th- that's a good pick actually i was gonna um do you want to type okay, in what I'm you're going to okay, go Bear with us. Sog's going to type in. Don't look, don't look, don't look. I'm not looking. I'm pretty sure that my pound is safe-ish. Also, I'll just check. I don't have a pound on me. Oh, I do. I've got 250p's. There you go. Okay, are we ready yet? If we could combine those two. Oh, okay. Well, we, no, you've all right. We, we will be under such Bruh, a surefire oh, winner. Oh, yeah, exactly. you know, there be no, okay. no contest. Okay, here's my pound of English. Well, no, how, okay, right. Here you go. There we go. Well, let's, okay, we'll put this in the yeah. pot here, right. which I'll hold here. And there we go. Gareth, okay. what okay. would you have had free well, from the revival? I'll take you through my thought process. Okay. I'm always caught by the Ford Galaxy on the Goodwood circuits. I think the original Ford galaxy big american swinging around there yeah. and doing well against ford Anglias and minis it's just a lovely thing to witness would i have a galaxy probably not the obvious choice and i bet this is what you've written down because i always think oh yeah lancia d50 ferrari but i'm not oh, oh, didn't think of that. no, no that's what down, you wrote down no, right no, I, uh, no. i'd be a fool not to have a you know d50 really well, if you think about resale value i guess you know you'd, well, you'd mm. certainly want this to is what way. i was thinking about and i decided to go for something with an even greater resale value and from a period hang on we weren't thinking about the resale i mean i, I is no, no 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 sorry we have to let you pursue this yeah, line yeah, of thought Interpret it however you want. I think that's how it works. And the car I settled on, it's from a period of motorsport that I'm genuinely interested in at the moment. You know, I've been getting more into the golden age of Grand Prix motor racing, pre-Formula One and all that. But from 1939... I think I would very much like to have a Mercedes-Benz W196. I did mm. not see that coming. Really? But a good choice, sir, I yeah. have to say. Yeah, Vitro, very, very good choice. Three-litre engine, 500 yeah. brake horsepower. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And Beautiful the thing about choice. it, it looks like the cars that were on the cover of Grand Prix board games when I was a boy. Yeah. Mm. They were all sort of 10 years previous to me, and these were the cars, or 20 years previous to me, let's be honest. And the more I look at those cars and realise how extraordinary they were in terms of you know four valve heads and mercury in the pistons and stuff like this they were doing incredible high-end technology stuff and that's genuinely what i'm interested in high-end technology 
Doesn't matter from what period. Apollo, high-end technology in the 60s. Tesla, high-end technology now. Auto Union and Mercedes, high-end German technology of the pre-war racing days. Yeah, it would be the one. And, and, I mean, and just look at how fast those cars were going. Incredibly I mean, they, were, they, were, they were doing well over 200 miles an hour at some of the circuits. Dog. What did you have, boys? Well, well, they, Zog. I wrote down a shooting break. Which I, which, <laughs> which I, I, I was cheating a little bit there, because that, <laughs> yeah. that, that covers several years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, um, uh, yeah. and Richard? I went Lotus Cortina. Oh, well, it was considered. I did imagine myself in a Lotus Cortina the other day, funnily enough. But yeah, I'll give you that. Okay, we'll do the next two quite quickly, okay? Will Ferrari ever make an LMP1 car? This question also from Matt Guest. Well done, Matt. Will Ferrari make an LMP1 car? Foreseeable future, probably not. They've got a very good thing going on in Formula 1. Why would they want to get into LMP1? Particularly right now, the competition's hotted up that little bit more. Exactly. I mm-hmm. don't think it's Why very themselves through it? I mean, let's be honest, they're not acing it in Formula 1, are they? They need to get their house in order there rather than spread themselves too thinly and risk being humiliated by Porsche and Audi and Toyota. Until such time as the big manufacturers pull out and there is a need for teams to run customer LMP1 cars, which I don't see ever happening because the ACO are usually ahead of those rules, I don't think it will happen either. Sadly, because it would be a beautiful thing, wouldn't it? it? Until there's a Ferrari-sized hole, they're not going to jump in. Okay, the last question. Did you hear about this? Probably a very brief answer to this from Kat Uzuki the Bertoni car collection being classed as a national treasure have you heard about this by the Italian government and the collection must be sold whole and not leave Italy (sighs) did you hear about this no. I didn't hear about this. to be honest, but well done to them for taking that pride in their national good, heritage. Isn't it? Sarah yeah, Italian just going, no, good these are artworks the same as anything else. Yeah. You may not leave the country, you may not break them up. And it is a terrific bit of design heritage. And there are all sorts of bits of British design and art heritage that we might have a similar view on. So, yeah, good for them for doing that. Bravissimo. Isn't that the name of a bra shop? It was, I think that was a concept. It was a Bertoni concept from 1978, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Very sculpted roof, rounded bra. Yes, all right. All yeah, right, yeah. it's all right. Another star of the 1975 Turin show is the stunning Bravissimo concept from Bertoni. Designed to evoke certain aspects of the female form, it certainly shows a valiant attempt to keep abreast of fashion, but this one-off has had its knockers, and some say it should be added to the Italian company's rare list of clangers. Though I should add that it's far from one of those old bangers, and has fully functional electrics for the headlights and hooters. Reporting for the BBC... I'm Charlie Mellon. Steph Petrol! We Gareth Jones on speed! We've opened up this programme to you guys, perhaps as a precursor to On Speed Live, which you will hear about soon. That's all I'm saying, is this teasy little trail. But here's a great question from Kevin Derber on Facebook, which says, Traffic light etiquette. The balance between not appearing too aggressive, but still merging ahead when setting off from two lanes that are merging to one. Now, as a London driver, and with many roads who merge down to one from three, Three and two lanes. I know I'm thinking of Hampstead Garden Suburb. I'm thinking mm. of Islington Angel. It's something that you have to do 
all the time. My dad used to say that he liked London driving when he came down from North Wales because London drivers, when they That's see an so opportunity... <laughs> well, he said, you know that they, if they see a gap, they will go for it. And he could work with that. He just mm. assumed that. That's fine. And that's how I think. I think your role is to get ahead if you're in the faster car, but just don't vanish off into the distance. Just make sure that you've cleared the car that you're alongside. Would you agree, Richard? Is that the protocol? Yes. But see, there's also that thing when you're at the lights. I find I size up the car next to me. Yeah. How quickly are they likely to yeah, get Yeah, so you go, yeah. okay, now, it's a Vauxhall Corsa, not a sporty one. Exactly. It's going to be driven by a blithering idiot. Ah. Statistically, or empirical evidence would suggest... They're not going to blaze away from the line. If anything, I just need to get out of their way before they do something catastrophically stupid. So that's fine. If you like, they've been identified as not a threat in a traffic light Grand Prix, so you can just move briskly away. If I'm driving around in a borrowed car and it's something quite fast, like a sort of 911 Turbo or something like that, I like confounding expectation by moving away quite slowly. (laughs) If I'm not in a hurry. I think there's two things there. First of all, you're doing a good service to the owners and lovers of fast German sports cars because you're confounding experts exactly and secondly the bloke in the Peugeot 106 next to you will be able to go (laughs) blazed away from the lights the other day had this bloke in 911 turbo he didn't know which way I went and you go taking your your Peugeot 106 example the other day I was trying to get across London in as quick a time as I could and I arrived at just before Blackfriars Bridge and there were two rows of traffic on the right hand side there was a row of about 20 cars all lined up because in the left hand lane there was an ice cream van an old dilapidated Ford Transit Mark 3 I'd say ice cream van and I took a gamble I thought okay I'm going to get behind the ice cream van because I reckon when he pulls out we're probably only going to be two or three cars into this line merging here rather than at the back of 10 or 20 cars so I got up behind the ice cream van the lights changed and who got away quickest the bloody ice cream van went like a rocket I don't know what engine he had in that the Ford Marathon engine or something but he went ahead of all the other 10 cars who were left standing and I slotted in behind him so merging is a great skill what's the rules Zog? Well, what you were saying earlier about predictability you know, mm-hmm. you know they're going to go for the gap there's a lot to be said for being predictable being unpredictable on the road mm. is a dangerous thing. Yeah. You know, you know. Yeah. You size up another vehicle, you have a look at it, and you know, you make a judgment about what it's likely to do. And as long as it does what you think it's likely to do, then you get on fairly well. So yeah, the rule is, you know, you set up as briskly as you can. You don't try and cut anybody up, but if you've got the faster vehicle, then you just try and nip politely ahead. Mm. Politely um, ahead. Yeah. That's the rule. I think yeah. the worst thing you can do is when you're alongside somebody and you both decide to make a sort of briskly away, not spin the wheels, not aggressive, but just smartly move away. But you've both had the same idea to do that. And then you're caught in that thing. It's like two people approaching a revolving door. That, oh, after you, after you, but you haven't got the yeah, ability yeah. to make eye contact. So yeah. instead you're like, do I back off and then if they back off and then I'll just give it a bit more and, go, and then they do as well yeah. and then you end up crashing into each other yeah so if you both set off you then you make a fairly quick decision to just back off and let them get ahead and you pop in behind them yeah you know, actually we are very good at instinctively you know reading so. this kind of body a, language yeah, it's, it's, because if, if we didn't if we consistently made an utter mess of it then there'd be a lot more low speed accidents than there are and you rarely yeah. see cars actually scuffing into each other do you because we all just kind of get it yeah we're pretty good we're pretty good Kevin Durr great question okay this one from Christopher Martin Rayner gear knobs pedals 
and steering wheels. With the development of self-driving cars and increasing electronic controller cars, have they had their day? Should we be looking for joystick controls, a touchscreen interface, or possibly eye gaze controls? Asks Christopher Martin Rayner on Facebook. Zog. That's a huge question. We could do a whole show on this. That's a huge question. Why do I begin? A steering wheel and a gear knob is not necessarily the best set of tools for controlling a vehicle. If you were starting with a blank sheet of paper right now with today's technology, that probably isn't what you'd come up with. Really? The wheel? Nothing better than the wheel? Well, why isn't a joystick that is, you know, force-sensitive, why isn't that a better controller than a steering wheel? He mentions self-driving cars in the question. There's no question, I think, that self-driving cars are going to be better than we are. They're going to be safer and better than human drivers. Machines do a better job in every other field of transport. Better lane discipline on the motorway, won't they? They won't make the silly mistakes that we make that cause most of the accidents. Simple as that. When I was at the Frankfurt show the other week, many of the press conferences I went to, the Mercedes one, for example, the Jaguar Land Rover one, they were all talking about the incoming self-driving future and about the whole connected experience of cars Mm-hmm. And I was standing next to Jason Barlow, the car journalist and sometimes TV Look presenter. at my trendy face. Yes, exactly. Nine. Mm. And Jason, during the Jaguar Land Rover press conference, Jason was standing next to me. And as we listened to yet another car company talking about how they wanted to be connected, autonomy and all of this sort of stuff. These same words kept coming out at all these different events. And Barlow led across to me and went... No one wants to be a car maker anymore, do they? Yeah. <laughs> like, mm. It's true. They don't well, they they want to be technology I can companies. back that the up. The car is a 20th century technology, and uh, we're now in the 21st century. It's a whole yeah. different game. Did you see that someone from Ford was making quite a big speech at Frankfurt about gamification of car ownership? Really? I'm not sure I want to own know, my car like a game. Game Death, Death Race 2000 is the thing that's coming to mind. Well, getting ga- gamification is what's causing people game. to use their Apple phones to monitor their heartbeat and therefore when they go out and exercise they're trying to better their exercise mm. every day mm. like a real world sonic level so I can see how that works in that way how it works with cars I'm mystified but thank you for your questions we've decided to ask a question as well Zog well, this will enable everyone to kind of feel better about themselves you know, mm. in an odd way but what is the stupidest thing that you have recently done in your car or somebody else's car the reason this came to mind was just the other day I was popping down to Brighton for the weekend and on the way down I noticed my tyre pressure was a little low stopped at a petrol station to fill up with air and as I leant over to undo the cap and get the air hose onto the tyre the keys which I'd put in my top Uh pocket fell out of my pocket down the drain oh no yeah so I dropped my car keys into a drain Miles from home, middle oh, of nowhere, no. and did they I was splashed. Or could you see? Oh, they, oh, they splashed. The, oh, oh, yeah, they splashed. Oh, and did and you was, have a magnet and a fishing rod with I you? I did not have a magnet and fishing rod, oh. and I was too embarrassed to go straight into the pedal station and say, oh, "I've dropped the keys no, in there." So no. I spent about. 15 minutes trying to fish them out with a oh. bent. Oh, so they were down there still. You oh, could... they were down there. It was an unspecified depth of murky, oh. dirty water underneath oh. the grill that I was not able to lift up. Oh. I spent a little while trying to 
figure out if I could lift the grill up. I couldn't lift the grill up. I've got kind of thin wrists. I was just about able to get my hand through the grill, and I could just about touch the top of the water. Oh, God. Imagine if you got your arm trapped in the grid. Then I managed to do that stupid thing. I had a bit of wire in the car that I managed to do a bit of fishing about with, but I couldn't get it out. And So in the end, I had to fess up, go into the petrol station, ask one of the guys to give me a hand, and he came up with a grabby thing and fished around to get him out. So, yeah, not proud of that, but there we go. Richard, stupidest thing you've ever done in a car? Mm. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't talk I was going, can you? no I can't I really can't I was feeling your pain there I was just thinking oh what an awful situation they've closed the petrol station around the corner from my house by the way as an aside now where I used to go and check the tyre pressure on the car I know this is nerdy but it really bothers me the nearest place I can do the tyre pressure on the car is a bit of a driveaway so I know the tyres aren't completely yeah, cold yeah, by the time yeah, I get yeah, there. I do mm. the same so I'm getting do a false yeah, 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 it's really yeah. annoying me yeah. well no but you just had a couple of things I know, I know but it's just that yeah. I knew the, the one around the corner is properly around the corner the tyres could be stone cold by the time I got there it's pretty good anyway I digress I can't think of anything stupid that I've done in a car really recently but I'm going to go back quite a few years in fact to being 17 or 18 uh-huh and come we're out. all stupid in cars at that yeah. age well you see I wasn't stupid in a car uh-huh. I was stupid on a car hello okay. um, because we came out of what I think might be described as a pub and <laughs> one of my mates hadn't been drinking because he was driving his uh-huh. mum's old school early 90s polo yes and we went off up the road four of us in this car and then we stopped for some reason and then I said I reckon I could hang on to the bonnet while you drove along oh, oh good yes so I lay on the bonnet <laughs> on my back on the bonnet and you can put your hands round the wings quite a narrow small mm. car and cling onto the sort of onto the, the top, the, of, the onto top of the wheel arch oh, yeah. yes and off we went now if you've ever done this And I I wouldn't recommend it. Two things will strike you quite quickly. is that even relatively low speeds feel like a million (laughs) when you're on the outside of a car. Yeah, I bet. And that you'll suddenly feel yourself sliding down, (laughs) even with the air pressure blowing on you at what feels like 170 (laughs) when it's really only 20 (laughs) down a suburban street. And I could feel myself sliding, and I thought, that's it, I'm going under my mate's car. And they're going to have to explain to my parents how they ran me over. So I went, stop, 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 I'm coming off, stop. And my mate stopped. No, it didn't emergency stop, he just gently braked. Because I could actually hear someone else in the car going, don't stamp on the brakes, he'll come (laughs) off. But even that, even gentle braking as well, suddenly feels like... 20g and i was flung forwards but by then the car had sort of slowed to such a speed i was flung forwards my feet hit the ground and i found myself suddenly running down the street away from the car <laughs> no. that i thought was about to run me over oh it was even though i will admit i may have had a drink it was frigging terrifying also that- very exhilarating and i think once i got my breath back i said can I do that again? No. <laughs> and one of my mates who's much more sensible went, I think we should probably all just go home. <laughs> the That's stupidest good. thing I ever did in a car wasn't actually in a car, it was a van. In my days as a roadie for, in fact, I think it was before the alarm when the band were called 17 before they changed their name to the alarm. So this would have been about 1979. We had a gig, I think it was called Rosie's Tea Room, somewhere up in uh, Paisley. <laughs> this, this is real rock and roll rock venue and a half. <laughs> somewhere up in Paisley in Scotland. We hired a van from a local van rental place in North Wales and it was a Luton, a transit Luton. And we managed to get there and when we got up there, one of the wheels came off. The front near side wheel was sort of 
hanging on. Seriously, the wheel and tyre was attached to the wheel hub. The wheel hub was just wanging about like a useless sort of thing. So we called the rental place and they said, Oh, yes, sir, well, you know, we've only got cars in North Wales. So um, this is what I should think should do. Have you got a load in the van? They said, I said, yes, we've got all the band's equipment. Right. Which side is all the equipment on? So it's in the middle. All right, move it to the opposite <laughs> side of the loose wheel to take the load off that wheel and drive back from Glasgow to North Wales. This is five hours driving. And this was the advice that the rental company yeah. gave you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. Okay. And we did it. We moved all the equipment over to one side. We all sat leaning on each other on one side and drove back very gingerly. It took something like eight hours. And we arrived at my mother's house at six o'clock in the morning. What are you doing here, Gareth? And they brought another van to us then. That was the stupidest thing I ever did in the car. Well, it was a van, but stupid, eh? Howdo, John Bolt here from Manama, Russia. Just popped by to say that next year, us team is getting Mercedes engines and that. Reap proper chuffed about it we are. Firstly, because it'll make us car reap proper grand and that. And secondly, because it means I can make this phone call. Hello, Ron? Yeah, John Bowles. Do you need a tow, you slow bastard? Ha <laughs> ha I've been waiting 20 years to do that. Bloody brilliant. been meaning to tell you about a car that I had during the summer for a little while. I haven't mentioned it because we can do another stuff on the show. Uh, and it was a car which wasn't really a car. And it's a car also that I've driven before on Gareth Jones on speed, but not properly on the road. So I wanted to do it again because I was very impressed with it when I went off road with it. Do you remember I took part in this thing called the VW Amarok Challenge? couple of years ago it was essentially a promotional thing to show how useful the Amarok was off-road and we drove it in a sort of competition format around a disused quarry in North Wales through deep puddles up severe inclines and it was top and tremendous for all that we did a bit of road stuff as well it was good but I thought it would be the perfect camping car for the annual Berlin Jones summer foray under canvas or nylon or ripstop, whatever it is these days. Because one of the big problems of camping is getting everything in the vehicle. And you imagine when you get a pickup that that's pretty unlimited, isn't it? Because there's effectively no ceiling. You just keep piling it till it's about four floors high. Yeah, just put, if, put more bungees around it. Exactly. It'll, it'll all stay in place. And you do see people when we go camping who turn up in these sort of Mitsubishi Warriors. I don't like that car. It looks like it could fall over. Do you know, is it called the Warrior? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm L200. not a big fan. Yeah, L200. I don't, yeah. Know, I don't like this either. It, it's just because everyone who's got one is either up to no good or on a tax dodge. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically. But well, they are, aren't they? Because you can run one as a company car and you don't pay tax. Yeah, that was the main reason they got yeah. so popular, I believe. 
And do you know what? No car maker currently selling cars in Britain has a range that makes you look like you're up to no good like Mitsubishi. Shogans. <laughs> <laughs> People who buy Shogans are always up to no good. I don't know why, they just are. And uh, the Evo, I mean, the Evo sort of is gone now, hasn't it? But when the Evo is around as well, just yeah. there's a whiff of no good about it. Yeah, yeah. And if those people who drive the young Emiev. If you're a vicar, well, if you're a vicar who's never been convicted of an offence, you know, yeah. who drives a warrior, let us know. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, I mean, you'll be the only one if you, uh, if you're so, scrupulous about your tax returns. W- would you drive a pickup, you guys? The Amarok. You look at it; it doesn't would, look slimy. No, no. It looks sort of functional. The only pickup I would drive conceivably would be some kind of beaten up old classic. American original pickup, like something, yeah, yeah. Something, yeah, yeah, some kind of something that had been you know well, battered those, over um, Kentucky flare side Ford flare sides. Ford. You know the ones with the sort of yes separate rear arches, which yes. they, they, I always thought they're very groovy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't drive it round London. It'd be a ridiculous thing to drive around London. But if I was going to drive a pickup, it would have really, to be really some kind of. Types, it would have yeah. to be something you know original. I, do, I wouldn't normally drive a pickup. I mean, I've got a soft spot for a Hilux. Uh-huh. I do like a Hilux because of your Top Gear connection. Well, yeah, partly, yeah, but also I don't know. It's just this. So well, you with the Hilux, but I've always looked at those Amaroks so I've never driven one and I've always looked at them and gone I wonder I wonder if that's sort of more civilised pickup sort of it is as a pickup hmm. proper civilised it's still leaf springs it's pretty big isn't and, uh, it is it leaf springs yeah, on the back still it is yeah, um, yeah. but it does make it an entertaining drive in the same way that uh, Morris Marina was entertaining or a Morris 1000 was, was entertaining we drove down to Dorset pitched the tent and after a couple of days I had to zoom over to Eastbourne to go and do a Tommy Cooper show so I went in the Amarok and it was horrific weather all the way there and all the way back and so there was a considerable amount of slidey rear end action in this thing but it was delightful coming off roundabouts it was predictable you know you knew its limits you didn't drive it like a lunatic you just oh, okay that's going to happen and I like that about it the whole pickup thing getting everything in the back and strapping it in not as straightforward as I thought it was going to be there are four sort of D-rings at the cab side end of the load bay that you can strap onto and then you have to go out through the tailgate through the gap in the tailgate back round to seal it there were no sort of hooks down the sides of the load bay for me to clip on me bungees there were holes mm-hmm. but you needed a very special sort of bungee system but i did manage to secure it after it took me two loads i piled it all on no that won't work do it second time oh that's lovely that you know and we didn't have any buttering or flattering or anything but buttering Buttering, yeah, it's like buffeting, but... Uh, but, but with, it's, with, with a dairy product yeah, involved. Yeah, yeah. Okay. always, yeah. yeah, butteriness, you know. And the downside of a pickup is, that, you know, there's that threat that it could rain, so you do have to seal everything properly in, like, a little sandwich pack in the back. Well, also, if you stopped at the services... You, yeah, you can't leave the car. Get yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's that constant worry. And moreover, you know, we take my guitars and stuff with us when we go camping. We like music around the campfire, you know, come by armor lord, all that. No. And I wouldn't dare leave my guitar in the back. I just Mm. couldn't. It was too exposed, too wet, could get nicked, you know. So I think if you were going to do the camping experience with a pickup, you're better off getting a truckman top sort of thing, one of those glass fibre hard bodies. That would do it because the volume is huge in there. But this car I like, you know, it's only a two litre four cylinder bi-turbo. Bi-turbo. There's a whiff of Maserati about it. And sells for, uh, what is it, 30 grand without VAT, if you buy an its pickup. That's uh, 36, well, almost 37 grand 
if you're paying VAT. I struggled to get comfortable in this car. I couldn't get the seat high and mighty like I wanted to, like I was a truck driver. The only way I could get comfortable was to drop the seat really low and sit with my legs out forward like I'm in an old Series 1 Mercedes A-Class. Do you know what I mean? But that sort of... Mm. in a coupe but high up sort mm-hmm. of thing and I, that bugged the hell out of me I want to sit in a commanding truck like position but it was a very civilised thing and for 30 grand you get most of the stuff that you get when you buy a Discovery you certainly get the volume and the Discovery is you know the perfect camping car so if you haven't quite got the money for a Discovery seriously consider an Amarok but get a glass fibre box for it I would recommend and also don't go for the manual they do an automatic version and whilst this is actually called it's one of those great names it's the Amarok 2 litre no you've missed a word out oh sorry Amarok Ultimate 2 litre BI TDI 180 PS 4 motion selectable 6 speed manual right Mm. it's a great engine who knows if the emissions it actually gives out are actually what it does (laughs) but it was a tremendously tractable engine and very willing but I think it would be better off with an auto box I think that just gives you a level of refinement you know you only need the manual box if you're going to tow horses or climb sheer faces go for the automatic I don't often say that but in this car go for the automatic and if I had a bugbear about it you ever notice reversing cameras that stay on too long you engage reverse the camera comes on you look you finish it you put it back into first gear the reversing camera stays on for about five seconds in that car mm. and I found it really distracting I was driving off wanting to watch what's going on on the screen that would be kind of annoying it's a bit yeah. weird I even got it into 4x4 mode at one point the campsite that we were staying on was on quite a hill and it had been raining and it was really muddy and everyone was slippy slidey I engaged 4 by 4 I just went straight up like it was no problem at all so I can confirm having tested it off road before I know very well how good it is off road it's actually great on the road as well speaking as we were of off roading do you know I was off roading the other week what Mercedes G-Wagen not the AMG one was it no I could have driven that on the road but I'll be honest with you that was early in the morning and I'd been led astray the night before uh oh and I had a horrible hangover. So was someone it, was else it, was drove it a me. good place to be with a hangover? A uh, no, do you know? Oh, not off road. Oh, well, that's okay because I then had a coffee and I felt a lot better. So, no, it's fine. What it can do off road is, as you'd expect, rather impressive. Because, funny enough, that was an auto. Just talking as you were about manuals and autos. Yeah. But with a paddle shift, you could just. Yeah, pip perfect. Pip. Mm. No, the one we off roaded was the petrol, but not the AMG one, which they don't even sell here. No. Mm. Which makes a nice noise, actually. It's a 4-litre V8. Best noise yeah. that the G-Wagon makes is the sound of the door locking on the remote. Um, yeah, it's yeah. It's like a rifle going off. <laughs> Great sound. Yeah. Yeah. Solid click. We've got to wrap it because we're out of time. Last word on the Amarok. 28 miles per gallon. Who knows what the emissions are. <laughs> but consistently, no matter how I drove it, whether it had a load in or not, 28 miles per gallon. Which I think is all right for something that big. But I take issue with the name. The Ultimate. Right? It's not the Ultimate. The ultimate would be the automatic. This is the penultimate. So if I had it, despite those stickers on the side, I wouldn't take them off. I'd just add the word penultimate to it and look forward to the ultimate one. Pick up ownership. It's not a bad thing, I can tell you. I've been ranting, haven't I, boys? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got unconvinced by the pickup thing, but... Right. but uh, Unless you yeah. need to put a load of sand or something in the back. Right? We were camping, so we did fill it with a load of wood. We went and picked up wood, and we had loads of wood for the fire after one trip. I'll show you the pictures. Okay, great. well, yeah, yeah. maybe. So, yeah. Time it's not a shooting Time break, but there is a space for the pickup. We can agree on that, can't we? I think so. Hooray! You've been listening to Richard. Goodbye. Zog. Goodbye. And me, pickup boy. 
We're going to leave you with a tune. This one features Steve Smiley Barnard, who plays with From the Jam and The Alarm. Some unbelievable drumming on this. Many thanks to him for that. This one's in the style of Public Image Limited. This is Private Visage Limited with Off-Road. See ya.
to send us an email. See pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed! <laughs>